In a world where mental health problems are used as common tropes in various forms of storytelling, therapist Ryan Inglestad and executive producer Mike Graham try to determine what lines up with real life and what is just exaggerated fantasy. Listen as we delve into the fantastical tales told about mental health in books, movies, and television. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstadt. Here with me, as always, is my co-host and mental health advocate doing his first stand-up routine at an open mic, Mike Graham. How's everyone doing today? So, uh, you know, I was, I flew in from New Jersey today, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> Man, let me, can I, let, me the, let me tell you the thing about uh, airline peanuts. Uh, you got, you know, there, there's not a lot of, there's not a big serving. It's not very much to eat. You want, Pretty, you want more peanuts? Yeah, I'm bad at this. (laughs) Well, that just goes to show you, Mike, how hard stand-up comedy really is. Oh, my God, I couldn't imagine. I feel like anybody that's even remotely to kind of like what you and I do or that, like, make things, I bet you every single one of us has been like, I could, I should try stand-up comedy. I've certainly had that itch before, but, but yeah, so, so this is all sort of bearing the lead. Today, we're talking about the Great Depression. Yes. The the newest comedy stand-up special by Gary Gullman. But Mike, before we get into that, I have a, a mini Mike Reacts for you because um, as we did uh, last week, which I, I don't think it's out yet, but we're something we're going to be doing this season is me throwing like little unusual coping skills or sort of interventions at you to see what you think about them or even if you'll try them. Ooh, yes. No, 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 no. I loved doing that or hearing about that. Uh, so what do you have? So for this week, Mike, and I was sort of inspired. Um, have you seen the YouTube series Hot Ones? Mm, oh, yeah, yeah. They interview people while eating hot wings that are increasingly spicy, like every question. Yes, it's a fantastic series. Yes. And one of the most recent ones that came out was uh, the guy who interviews people. They did Paul Rudd, who is a Kansas City native. That's right. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Yes, uh, The last great. one I last one I watched had Shia LaBeouf in it. Sure. And it was, it was really good. I haven't seen that one, but the he's, one with, he's uh, back. I'm sure he is. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the one with, uh, with Paul Rudd is hilarious. And they talk about Kansas city. One of the sauces is from Kansas city, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, do, um, wait, do they get to the final sauce? Oh yeah. He dominates it. Okay. Okay. He does. Well, say, he he's does, from Kansas city. He better. He does incredibly. So all of this is to say, Mike, I'm assuming you are a barbecue guy as well. Oh my God. Yeah, of course. Okay. Are you this like the a, barbecue capital of the world, oh, Kansas right, City, where I'm right. from? Sure. So, so I hear. Now, are you like a spicy barbecue guy, or like a sweet barbecue guy, mm-hmm. or like somewhere in the middle? Mm, give me the, give me the hot stuff. The hot stuff. So you are yes. a person that would go on hot ones, and you're like crank it all up to I'd take million, it all the way, a million Scoville units or whatever. Yes. Right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, recently I ordered a DoorDash, 
And I found that they had this thing called like the death sandwich or something. Sure. And I, I made them, uh, I said, like I wrote a special note that was like, I want this to actually be spicy. And they made it so spicy that I actually had to call and, and um, like bow down to the chef. And he, it was, it was actually ended up being so funny. And he invited me up there for a burger. He's like, I'll buy you another burger. It was funny. Nice. Anyway. How do you feel when you're, uh, you know, eating the spiciest thing you, you typically eat? Emotionally, like what does it do for you uh, thought-wise, oh. cognitively wise? Uh, it's a good place for me. I just love it. It's like, it's pure in the moment contentness, which I don't get a lot. Exactly. So it might not surprise you to hear then that uh, spicy foods, you know, the, the chemicals that are in spicy foods uh, tend to release the neurotransmitter serotonin in the brain. Really? They sure do. So um, the sort of challenge that I would have for people is if they are, you know, having a kind of down day, feeling anxious, is to challenge yourself with the spiciest thing that you're comfortable trying to eat. Because as wow. you just said, it's this sort of like present, like you can't help but notice how hot your mouth or nostrils are. There's a layer, of, and I've never thought about this before, but there really is like a layer uh, like out on the peripheral that kind of fades away. Yes. It's not like all of your worries just suddenly disappear, but like you're definitely, you got to focus on, well, the hotter it is. Sometimes that's all you can focus on. Well, right. So we, you have to kind of find a balance with it where if you, there's also a thing you can Google called the hot chip challenge, um, mm -hmm. which is this I know like, it. one chip thing where, yep. you know, people go into like, uh, not panic attacks, but like, it's really intense. It's probably too intense for what we're talking about, where I've, you don't, you don't want to go into like heart palpitations and, and, and panic That scared the crap out of me. It looked like somebody with like a like a cloak was behind oh. you just now. Oh, just my cat, right? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. Okay. Continue. Uh, uh, I I'm assuming there was no. Yeah. Idea. No. No. Actually, it, it, it was your cat. It was uh, your cat. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna leave that in. Um, Is this coming on Halloween? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. So this Halloween week. But yeah. So basically. It, it forces you to be mindful. It forces you to pay attention to something that's happening in your body. And presuming it doesn't, it doesn't take you so far to being in like crippling pain or, or any kind of negative physical symptoms, um, it could be pleasant. No, I agree. And I, to the point where I don't understand people who don't enjoy spicy food. Sure. Because I understand it's like, I don't like pain. Right. You know, I know right. that it's, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just, feel like it's not pain necessarily. It always just seems pleasant to me. Well, right. And this is the distinction. It's, it's the difference between pain and discomfort. That that with hot foods, it's unlikely to be specifically painful as much as it's just, ooh, this is something I don't feel very often. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's what they do uh, with Paul Rudd is that they they once they reach like the 10th spiciest sauce, they do like a scene with each other because they're literally crying. Like they're, <laughs> they're like, and, and out of no, not, not out of pain, but just out of this is what their body is experiencing right now. Yeah. So it's it's it forces you out of whatever you're thinking about and into the experience with the food. So I legitimately wonder if like, if like I didn't have like an emergency anxiety thing yeah. pill yeah. and I was having, cause sometimes I have a panic attack that I, I have gone to the hospital, you know? Yeah, sure. And I always worry about that. I wonder if I was just like, just like 
Like down to some hot sauce? <laughs> yeah, like some real hot stuff if it would like pull me out of it. It's a great question. And and to be fair, this is not like a cure-all, but it's just something that, again, a coping skill and something I can certainly relate to. Like I get a good sweat going, like, and and it, it even if it's uncomfortable, it's like kind of in a nice way. It's like yeah, something else to focus on. So, so go out and try some spicy foods, challenge yourself. And with that, let's talk about the Great Depression. Let's do it. And before we jump in real quick, I just want to remind everyone that we do have a uh, chat group on Facebook for fans of the show to come together and talk about mental health and goof around and have fun. It's a really awesome Facebook group. And you can find us there by going to the search bar on Facebook and looking at Pop Psych 101 Mental Health Chat. You came. (laughs) You actually came. Thank you. It it was a long time since I shot my last special, like over four years. And the reason was is that I got I got very sick with the depression. (laughs) Severe, just crippling depression and anxiety about two springs ago. My wife Sade, not the Sade, (laughs) a Sade, my my Sade. She said, Gary, all you were doing was crying and sleeping. And I get so defensive, I always say. I also watched Better Call Saul. (laughs) I wish you would paint a more accurate picture of what was going on for one hour a week for 10 consecutive weeks. I pulled it together. But... Yes, I was sleeping and crying. I was so sick. I I couldn't perform at all. I would bite my lip until it bled from anxiety. I was shaking all the time. My voice was so stressed, I couldn't really talk. I couldn't stand for more than five minutes. I was so fatigued all the time. I had to cancel all my shows for, for months, and I was contemplating retiring from comedy And then I I thought about it some and realized that retirement is a bit pretentious (laughs) for what was going on. Johnny Carson retired. Michael Jordan retired. Gary Goldman, you're giving up. Also, the word retirement implies that you've accumulated some kind of nest egg over the years. Taped in front of a live audience at Roulette Intermedium in Brooklyn, New York, comedian and actor Gary Goldman stars in his first HBO stand-up comedy special in which he opens up about his mental health issues in a poignant and hilarious way. A hopeful, funny show about a serious subject matter, Gary Goldman, The Great Depression, features Goldman telling the full arc of his story from growing up as a sensitive kid in Massachusetts who was recruited into sports because of his height to his early days doing comedy to his increasingly troubling bouts with depression as an adult. So, Mike, I've been uh, pushing us to do this ever since I heard that Gary Goldman was going to do the special. I'm pretty sure it was the day it came out. Like, you were like, this came, I, or I heard this came out today and we're going to do it when it comes out. And then it came out and then we immediately did it. Yes. So, it's out. It's been out for like 
uh, maybe a week or two on HBO. Yeah. So did you yeah. did you hype it up too much for yourself? Because that no. was like six months ago. Uh, no, 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 not at all. Um, in fact, I've I've gone with that mentality. I've listened to him on podcasts talk about the special. I watched the Q and A with him and some other comedians about the special. I'm like oh, man. fully invested. Yeah, you're in... res- you got the research on this one. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's just it's, it's something that's important to me in a weird way where. You know, this is like a good example of why I wanted to do a podcast like this, because I want what Gary Gullman is doing to be a normal thing, a thing that happens with some regularity. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was it was um, it was a beautiful piece to watch, I yeah. thought. Yeah. And we've we've done a stand up special before we did uh, Hannah Gadsby's. And it hits on some similar themes in terms of talking about depression and talking about mental illness um, mm-hmm. through the lens of comedy. But but this one does it, and it's really just talking about depression. It doesn't go into yeah. abuse or anything like that. Also, certainly he he dealt with some bullying and things like that. I think we'll probably talk about. But yeah, Hannah's was way more like oh, like all encompassing, mm-hmm. like all sorts of aspects. And he's he's got a story to tell, and it. It opens up really cool, actually. I hate stand-up openings. <laughs> and I'm always like, I want them to play the, like, you know, Netflix Signia or HBO or whatever, and then I want the guy standing on stage in the next clip. Uh, but this one was cool. Like, Judd Apatow did, a, like, a... Uh, who directed it? Because it's actually not just a stand-up. It's a documentary as well. There's little documentary-like scenes in it. Yes. So so you're saying it sort of feels like a contrived, fake thing. Like, I don't, I don't care what the backstory is to getting to the theater just yeah. like show me the stand-up yeah 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 where this one was more like there was a reason for it yeah like it, it made the special seem uh larger than just like a normal special and it wasn't a normal special it was it was two things yeah yeah so obviously we're gonna reference and even probably dig through a lot of the jokes here so if you haven't already seen the special we definitely encourage you to watch it before yeah. otherwise you know, it, it's it might not it's not going to ruin it, but it's going to take some of the punch away from some of the jokes because we're going to yeah. talk about them in a real way. I mean, yes, it's yeah. funny, but it won't be as funny with us saying it. <laughs> well, yeah, no, yeah, we're not. We didn't actually pursue stand up for a reason. That's right. No, so uh, this this opens up after you get like the kind of cartoony intro. You see what's obviously really um like cell phone like grainy footage that someone took of just a a like non-promoted special show of Gary Goldman and if you know anything about Gary Goldman cuz I've actually like totally coincidentally been watching him since like his first special in 06 yeah uh he he always stands up when he does his act he's yes. he walks around that's the kind yeah, of yeah. act he does active energy yeah mm-hmm. but in this opening scene you see Gary sitting in a chair or sitting on a stool bombing like and slumped like he's like a shell of himself yeah yeah and and he's he's bombing and to the point where he's almost not saying anything and then he looks at the audience and he says um i have a mental illness and then he doesn't follow that up with anything and it's just like crickets in the room and then uh and then he says like you can tell he's like defeated he goes this is my cosmic bottom Mm -hmm. and then it cuts to him coming out on stage. Yeah, yeah. And that sort of sets up that, like, he decided to do this special, I guess, shortly after coming out of Inpatient, when he had, like, his cosmic bottom was kind of coming out of uh, his Inpatient stint that he did yeah. for, for he his was, depression symptoms. Yeah. Yeah, and he, and he was trying to 
you know, when you go through intense therapy and stuff, they they suggest that you try to start living your normal life and like mm-hmm. do it in pieces. And so he would go do comedy, whether or not it was good or not for the audience. <laughs> it was good for Gary. Well, right. And and it's interesting. I, I mentioned sort of listening to him do some some promotion for this. And one of the stories that he told was in the initial stages of sort of workshopping this special, you know, the some of the like responses that he got from audiences early on, like ran the gamut from really positive and excited and supportive to um, one person in particular. I don't know if it was like a comment card if they actually came up to him, but the comment was essentially like, you shouldn't talk so much about depression. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Right. I, I You said that I said that earlier. <laughs> I heard this earlier and I yelled that and I said, I'm saying it. And I'm, I said it. Yeah. Fuck so, you. so why go ahead. So, so say more. Why, why is that so angering for you? The same reason why hecklers anger me. Okay. Because the people in the audience, when you go to see stand up, you are not watching a pre-taped, thought-out, scripted, well, they're kind of scripted, but uh, thing on a screen. You're watching a real person standing in front of you talking sometimes, especially like Gary's trying to do here, talking about his real life. So I hate hecklers because they they interrupt uh, a real thing. And I hate this even more because they interrupt a real story. Right. And, and it's kind of, it's, I hate to say, it's just, it's so insensitive. I mean, audiences, and I think to a large part, like to your point about hecklers, they take a sense of ownership of what you've created that Mm -hmm. like what you're doing is not good enough for me. So I'm going to tell you about it. Yeah. What does the gladiator guy say? Are you not entertained? Yeah. Are you not? Yeah. That, are you not entertained? And it's like, he's a person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he's probably 10 feet from you. Right. So interactions like that were obviously very discouraging for Gary because it made him question like, well, should I be doing this? Like, is this the thing that that needs to happen? And then, you know, he goes on to say like, but the overwhelming response was that, you know, he was supported and appreciated for what he was doing. But the thing about depression and the thing about anxiety is that you can get unconditional support all around you if there's just one voice that says you're a failure or that says mm-hmm. this is a bad idea or you're do or what you're doing is wrong which voices do you pay attention to right the negative they're always gonna yeah, yeah for yeah. sure uh yeah so he he comes out and you, you kind of have that like kind of surprising intro of this this moment he had on stage that he obviously thought was important for him and then he comes into the show and right away it kind of got brought up in in your mind that you realize that he's he's got this theme. He's telling you about something that's been hard for Gary to talk about his entire life, basically. But before he really gets into it, Ryan, I wanted to see if you saw what I saw in his like first couple of jokes that he, hmm. ta- he sure. told. Sure. Um, and just to give you an idea of what kind of depression Gary was going through, he he's talking about he released a special like four years ago. And then um, like two years ago, yeah, he went down hard for like, he said like 10 or more weeks. And we're talking uh, to the point where he had to get into like, uh, not an actual argument, but like a debate with his wife about the, she said he he didn't do anything but sleep. And he, you know, he came back was like, he contends that he did watch Better Call Saul 
for one hour a day, you know? So, that's right. And that's, that's something. That's all Gary did for 10 weeks at least. He said he was shaking and he was so fatigued he couldn't, he couldn't even barely like stand up for long periods of time. Like he was just in bed and he was crying. And I think, and he doesn't mention it a lot, he like he really skates over it. He mentions it a couple times, but, but I think he was probably really suicidal. Oh yeah, no, he he uh, he comes out and basically says that at different points in the show. Yeah, right. I just think that it was like, in my mind, I thought, oh, that was like that was the main thing happening to him here, and he didn't like he didn't make that the major player in the, no, the show. Yeah. Um, but then what he says after that, because of how bad his his depression was um, and the way depressed people think is he decided that he was going to retire from comedy. Um, but of course, in Gary's mind, he wasn't retiring because how could he retire? Only Michael Jordan retires or, you know, big people who did important things. He'd be actually giving up. Yes. Um, so I just kind of wondered like what you what you thought of the way he was seeing himself as he set up his own depression for us. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear that and this is, you know, something that's common that he doesn't even feel like it, it's justified that he could take a break or that he could walk away for any period of time. I and mean, I can't tell you how many times I've I've worked with, you know, professionals and and presented the idea to them of, you know, have you considered taking a leave of absence from work? Mm. And it's frequently like the very suggestion is is like like an affront to them where it's like, well, I could never do that. Um, or at least not for mental health reasons. Hmm, of course. Yeah. So this is something a lot of people struggle with is, is this idea of, you know, what is okay for me to do to take care of myself? And, right. and Gary mentioned retiring. And, and I think part of it is obviously the fact that, as he mentioned, he would need some source of income. Like he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't yeah. uh, leave comedy and do nothing. And that's obviously true. And And just because you have a full-time job doesn't mean you can just take a leave of absence, but it is a, an important discussion to have when someone's really struggling. It's, hey, do you need to do this as much as you're doing it? Is there an opportunity to take a break or, or to get some time for recovery? Right. And we, you and I literally talked about this on our last episode about us, mm -hmm. you know, yes. and, and like you just being exactly like you just said, if you need to take a break, take your break. But what I saw was just kind of like uh, when he was talking about retiring and then how in Gary's mind, he can't retire. It would just be giving up because he's not worthy of calling it retirement. Like, I just thought that sounds like a depressed person. Yeah. Like yeah. It's self-deprecation, yeah. self-hatred. Like mm -hmm. he just, he doesn't see himself as good enough to actually retire. Yeah. And the, the good enough, the not being good enough stuff uh, travels with him and a lot of his experiences that he shares about. I thought some of the initial like early years stuff that he talks about, whether it's growing up with his mom, whether it's some of the bullying stuff from the 70s, I thought was fascinating. Very fascinating. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to talk about that because I think for a lot of times when people have issues with like self-image, it often is, you know, as we talked about on the show before, like a result of negative mm -hmm. childhood uh, experiences. So for Gary, he talks specifically about some bullying. You know, he was... A uh, tall guy, tall, big guy. So it was just assumed that he should be an athlete. So he tried football. He loved basketball. But the other things that he loved, whether that was Sprite or um, uh, collage 
were things yeah. that were not <laughs> yeah. were not okay for him to like or for him to be right. interested in because he he, of what he looked like. Yeah, he said he lived in, you know, he grew up in the 70s and mm -hmm. 80s. And uh, as we know, if you've listened to the show before, though, that's an era where mental health education was, you know, null. Nobody knew about problems or what they were or how to spot them. And he describes it as living in a, a man's man's world. What I saw here, and I didn't know if you thought this too, just like this, the thing that I said about him being really depressed in, so depressed that maybe possibly his like main feature was that he was suicidal. I, I really just got that vibe and he just didn't talk about it a lot. Gary acknowledges throughout the entire special that it literally took him till a year ago to start talking about his depression to anybody besides mm -hmm. a therapist. Right, right. A and the man's in, what, in his mid-40s? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that fact really comes clearly across when you see him interacting with his mom. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, she talks about him as a child and even as an adult. And, you know, and is flipping through a photo album the way that moms do. And it's just saying, you know, uh, you know, I had no idea. You know, look at him. He he was so happy. He he looks so happy all the time. Yeah. Well, even worse, the first thing she says, because she she eventually does like, you know, give in and say, I had no idea I was depressed. I did. I don't know how to look for these things. Sure. But in, initially, when she was asked the question about, did you know, did you notice Gary's depression in his childhood? And she was like, no, he wasn't a depressed child. He wasn't depressed, basically. Yeah, is what she he was. was yeah. He was all smiles. Mm -hmm. And to which. Gary picks up a book that he made when he was seven years old called The Lonely Tree Yep, that he wrote about himself being picked on. And mm -hmm. so this is what I was talking about with the suicide thing make, seeming bigger than he makes it seem and him having such a hard time talking about things. Like, even so, he's doing this huge courageous thing by telling his story in public, but he's still keeping certain things uh like, he's not giving us the right levels of everything. So, like, when he goes back and tells his story about bullying, it was obviously, from the way he tells it, super prevalent in Gary's life. It seemed to me, I didn't know if you got the same vibe, but he, he, see, he, he talks about it, it just feels like he skates over it. When I feel like that there was, there was a lot more to do with the bullying for him when he was a kid than he lets on in the, in the special. Yeah, well, that this is the tough thing about talking about, you know, depression or any kind of mental health issues is that there are so many associations with it, positive, negative, and, and in between, that it gets kind of conflated. Like, this is, this if you say depression, this is what people picture, or this is what people expect to be as part of the story. And I think the, the reality is, is that, you know, we have to let people tell their own story, that it, even if... Uh, to him, like he's able to look back on the bullying is just like, this was ridiculous. Um, and he's just sort of okay with it now, whether that's, uh, his reality or that's just him kind of papering over something that was very painful for him. Right. You know, it's, yeah. it's our job to validate his experience the way he wants to tell the story. Right. And he wants to come out and say something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's has to tell us everything. Right. Right. And just like Hannah Gatsby talked about it, we tell stories one way, but that often is not the truth of the story, mm -hmm. right? It's we tell the story because that's what we want people to think of us or what we want people to, to feel by the, based on the story we're trying to tell. 
So Gary could be telling these stories of bullying in a way to make us laugh. But right. to him, they could be, in fact, very painful. So it's tough because but but to be honest, like this is one of the reasons that I wanted to cover this this uh, stand up special so badly is because he is able to talk about depression and he really just focuses on depression, which is also something that's unique in some ways in a way that's not like depression being the plot device of a major motion picture, but just like he's a person who has had life experiences and depression has like informed a lot of those experiences, but he's not depression. He is, you know, his depression is not the only thing that defines him. And the fact that he can kind of talk about some of the, the smaller, you know, even funny symptoms, his symptoms of depression is the kind of thing that you don't get in movies and shows as much. Right. So I think it's, it's so valuable that, that we can have comedians tell these stories about their mental health issues in a way that makes it so much more relatable than, you know, we've talked about doing movies like Melancholia and we, we may still, but I, I, it's because it's like all this like flowery metaphor stuff. It's just so much harder to be like, oh yeah, like that's what my depression is like when two planets collide or whatever happens that movie. I haven't seen that. <laughs> I, I, whoever told me about it recently got me yeah. wanting to watch it. Yeah. It seems yeah. like I mean, an interesting will. plot. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Like, I think like my personal opinion about comedians in general is like, why have we had jesters and comedians, you know, jesters of the court, before modern times, you know, mm -hmm. like people that do this, like what is their role in our society? Like personally, I think comedians are super important. Yeah. I think that comedians have the power to be icebreakers for big issues. They can be the first people to say things or say things more aggressively without as much backlash as basically any other profession or mm -hmm. public person can. Yeah. Like, even if Gary did this same special 10 years ago, when mental health was not talked about the way it is today, like, I think that it would have been probably maybe even more successful. Sure. Yeah, I just think it's so important. And and what he's doing is exactly what he should be doing. He's doing his job, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's doing it for himself. You know, he's not talking about depression, you know, specifically for for depressed people, he's doing the special because he needs to talk about this stuff in a, in yeah. a different and a new way. I think that's that's awesome. Well, it's basically yeah. like ruled his life for the last yeah. few years. Well, yeah. it's been a huge part of his life, but the last few years have been really bad for him. Um, and and he goes back there several times to, to about how bad it really was. Like he really tries to stress that it, he was in a very bad place uh, here in those last couple of years. But I I wanted to jump back real quick to when he was growing up. Sure. Um, we talked about his mom and her kind of her reaction to the documentary asking her about his childhood depression. Like when she says uh, the first time she says, no, no, he didn't have depression. The first thing I thought was. Oh, so, you know, maybe he didn't. And, and then you come to find out, no, Gary's Gary's had issues basically his whole life. But the way Gary is and I was just wondering if you thought the same thing or if you even had thoughts on this was he seems to be a guy that's able to learn and actually apply things. Um, he's been in therapy forever. He talks about how useful it is for him. He, he just seems like one of those people that can apply things that he learns to his life and make improvements. Um, one of the things I wrote down was, I feel like if 
Gary had access or education about what was going on with him when he was seven years old and into his teens, that that Gary could have benefited from that just so much. Like he may not have had like an episode, like even as deep as he did. I don't, I don't know if you can stop him from happening. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's the, it's the tough thing about information and even like self-awareness, like that only takes you so far. Like even if he, to your point had, you know, an education about mental health, you know, at a younger age, would that have made a difference for him? And I think the fact that, he's still having these issues as an adult, which he acknowledges at the end of the special tells you everything about this, that he can know depression, you know, inside and out and backwards, but insight and, and information and self-awareness only takes you so far. You know, if you're not getting support, if you're not practicing uh, self-care or using coping skills or going to therapy or taking your medication, whatever approach is, is most successful for you, then, you know, your self-awareness is only going to take you so far. You know, he talks about, you know, towards the end, like, there are still some days where he doesn't want to get out of bed. And it's like, well, why not? Um, yeah. Like, you you know what you're dealing through. You, you're you on your medication. Like, why do you still have this problem? And that's because that's what depression is. Yeah. Well, he was, he also talks right after he's talking about some of his bullying experiences, which you can tell affect him, like, oh, yeah. a lot. Sure. So then he starts joking about millennials and then you kind of get the vibe that Gary sort of wishes he grew up in that same area. Um, so, so that's kind of why I thought like, man, he would have, I just felt like he would have done so much better if he had just like had therapy when he was a kid and been able to, and maybe if his mom was educated and, and it's just a, like another example of the seventies and eighties sucking so hard. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess my, my hope with something like that is, because we don't exactly know when he started going to therapy. Uh, no, we do. He started therapy when he goes to see his college football coach. Okay. Yes, that's right. So, I mean, to be fair, that's pretty, and he acknowledges in the special, that's pretty early on in his life, even by today's standards. It's true. So that's why, you know, when when you ask this, like, oh, I wish he had he had been able to grow up. And it's like... Well, I mean, for, for the 70s and 80s, he had as much support as anyone could have had at his age. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe maybe I guess what we're saying is like, we kind of wish his parents had it, right? Where it's like they yeah. could have they could have recognized things earlier on. They could have helped him talk about this stuff earlier on. Yeah, because it, it was just so sad when his mom was like, no, he was just smiles. And like your heart just like shattered, you know? Sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, another reason why I, why I want to make this podcast, why I became a therapist is I want those conversations to be able to happen. I want parents to not shy away from conversations about mental health or, or emotions. I want us to be able to go beyond like the, the surface level of he looks so happy, thus he must be happy. Right. You know, and, and Gary talks a lot about this. And I, this is a question I wanted to ask you actually. And that's the sort of difference between how someone looks and how they actually feel on the inside. Mm. So Gary talks about, I think this was actually in, a, in the Q&A about the special. He says he, he looks like a Jewish Gaston, <laughs> but he's actually Bell. Uh, he, you know, wants to hole up in a book and mental illness runs in his family is the joke, right? So, yeah. 
And I think that's that's a great way to talk about this this struggle that people have sometimes in talking about mental illness is that unless you look depressed, people are going to tell you, well, you look fine. Everything seemed fine. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't understand. What do you mean you're depressed? Yeah. Because there's no obvious external, you know, representation of it. That's the same thing when when you do hear about somebody like losing their battle with depression, which which, by the way, Gary Goldman says something really, I thought, profound about uh, the way we talk about suicide in this stand up and how we call it suicide and how he thinks that's wrong and that it should be called death by depression. Sure. Uh, you know, just like just like you always say, like cancer killed you. Well, depression killed you. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. Well, no, cause I, I, yeah, no, because I was I sort of wanted to ask you, like, is this something that you have experienced where, you know, you might feel uh, depressed or, or anxious or manic or, or panicked or whatever? But because other people, like, because it's not obvious to other people, they have a hard time understanding or, or talking about that with you. What do you mean? I, I don't know if I don't understand the question. Well, like, if, if you're, so, you've talked on the show before Do I about, think I'm guest on? No, no, no. More like, <laughs> is this something, is this an experience that you've struggled with? Sort of your external presentation not matching your internal presentation, how you're feeling on the inside. Yeah, I yeah, and I think that's super normal like for any spectrum of mental health which i think is every person in the world has mental right. health yes um everyone you know puts a mask on when they go out in public and stuff um but but what i relate to when you when you're saying that with his whole like scottish thing and asking me if i experienced that at all is um and this is part of the, another reason why this this actual stand up special was really um powerful for me when i watched it is I, um, let's say I see like a picture of myself, like recently I was out with the family yep, and, and we're doing the smiling thing. Mm-hmm. I'll see the picture and like our, our family will look really nice and good. And, and I'll see myself and I go, well, Hey, there's a handsome fella. <laughs> he, you know, he's lucky to be born me, but like when in reality, um, like Ryan, I feel like shit a lot. Right. Like. Like, like I feel bad. Like I feel like my, like my eyes are sinking into my brain and like my skin is drooping off my bones and like I'm walking around with like a green cloud around me or like some sort of toxic symbol, you know? And sure. And then I see the picture and I just look like the next guy, you know? And it's like, when you when you think about it the way you just asked, part of you sort of understands why people don't get it. Yeah. Well, that's just like what his mom says. You know, she's looking at a picture of her son and she says, look at him. Look how happy he looks. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's as far as she ever questioned it is if he looked happy, he must be happy. Exactly. And um, it's funny when I was younger and, and my stuff first started ramping its head up as bad as it has been gotten to i um people really didn't understand back then right gary like i can't even imagine gary in the 70s and 80s dealing with his stuff because i dealt with it in the when it first reared its head in like the early 2000s and i mean education awareness was basically non-existent it feels like back then sure i used to wish that i could i like i would imagine the way i felt is literally like a like a smoke or a fog Sure. And I always wish that I could just like pull it out, just like 
like blow it in his face for like one second or whoever's face just so they could have like five seconds of feeling it. And then they would just know mm-hmm. and leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's this translation thing that has to happen. Right. Because, you know, if you say you have a headache, everyone can say like, oh, man, like that sucks. Uh, I've, you know, um, been there. Right. And the problem is that, you know, you go over and you see your friends like, oh, how you been doing? People don't say, you know, well, I've been a little depressed recently. You don't you don't say that. Right. You say, I've been fine, you know, hanging in there, busy, tired. Yeah. Just like ways of talking about it that don't acknowledge what the reality probably is. Mm -hmm. Because if you say, well, I've been a little depressed recently. Well, that changes the tone of the conversation a little bit. Number one. And pulls the mood down. Well, yes, I, I can't deny that. But for me, I wish it didn't. And I wish it didn't have to. Because I think as we're talking about it, we could say like, also, as you said, like most people have been there to one degree or another, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not to like clinical depression for months at a time, but like, I've been down, I've been anxious, like sucks. Sorry to hear that. Like you want to grab some snacks and go watch, you know, and like, and like that you can still talk about it on a casual level. Like that's what's missing. And I think that's where comedy specials and things like that can start to kind of change these conversations. Well, I mean, like, li- like, look, we're, we're talking about it right now about what Gary said. And it literally has me thinking about something that happened when I was in the early stages of things really ramping up for me. Um, this is a huge, powerful moment in my life that um, goes to exactly what you were just saying. As far as like people having a hard time understanding or if you haven't experienced it, empathizing with something is almost impossible. Like you can try your best, but if you haven't experienced something like really putting yourself in someone's shoes, as they say, is, uh, it's just, it's really hard. Um, so my dad, I don't know, a few years back had some panic attacks, some real bad problems with panic attacks after my mother and him got divorced Okay, in my my late twenties, mid twenties. And I remember him saying to me, like, after that happened, he, he was like, I get it now. Like to me, like, Oh, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Like I understand all that's happened to you. Um, but when he says that my mind gets taken back to a moment when I was 19 and when he didn't understand me and things were so bad and I was missing work, um, which I've always, I just, it takes you out of public, you know, some of this stuff yeah, it just pulls yeah, you straight for me. It's just always, it's just always, but he he didn't understand so much. Um, and keep in my mind, my dad is the coolest and the nicest guy. Yep. Never before or after has anything like this ever happened. But because he was so frustrated in his lack of understanding, um, one morning I was in bed when I was supposed to be up going to work. I couldn't leave. I was having anxiety and panic. And I think I was really manic at the time. I had been staying up all night a lot. And uh, uh, my dad broke in my room and just strangled me mm. and he, he like wrapped his uh his like hands around my throat and he squeezed me and he and he got up in my face and he said um he screams what's wrong with you yeah and uh like this is such like a just an intense moment like I, I went i got up and went to work and like i remember i i broke down and i was crying in front of my boss 
who was like, please go, some, you can leave, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And um, the the weird part is, is my, my dad, like, I have to recall that memory for him. Mm, yeah. And it was like this earth-shattering thing um, because he, just like we're talking about, he was like, Gary's mom had no idea what was going on, but I was also like totally invading his space, man. <laughs> no, right. but he, listen, I love my dad and I have never been angry at him about that. It was really bad at that time. And I don't know what I would have done in his shoes. Yeah. And right. And I mean, you know, it's so hard for, for the, you know, the parent in that situation as well, or the support person or whatever, like you said, they can't really empathize or really relate. So it's just putting this position of how do I understand or what do I do or how can I help? Yeah. And it's, and it's funny, you know, you know, sometimes it gets compared to like shaken baby or shaking baby syndrome where it's like, you know, a parent is in a situation where the baby's just crying, 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 crying. Nothing seemed to, to fix the problem. And why do parents shake their baby? Because they get to a point of exasperation and, and feeling powerless and helpless to fix or help their child when they feel like they should be able to do that. Yeah. So they do that out of frustration, not out of a decision of thinking that this is a good idea or that this is going to help. Yeah. But just like, what else do I do? How well, else almost, do I? It's yeah. almost like a panic attack. Yeah. Oh, sure. It's, it's like sure. backed into a corner. Yes. Fight or flight response to. Yes. This like unnavigated um, situation that they are thrown into that they didn't ask for. Yes. And so that's like obviously this incredibly extreme example of this, right? Right, right. And and I'm, and I'm you know I'm sorry obviously that, that you that you've been through that and so if that's one end of the spectrum, like the other end of the spectrum is is your dad being able to just kind of say like, "Hey, like seems like you're not feeling too great or, or not not wanting to go to work today, like do you want to talk about it?" Yeah. You know, that's where um you know we we wish as we were talking about before like Gary's mom could have been like, hey, you wrote a, a story about a lonely tree. Like, everything okay? Yeah. You know, is everything going okay at school? Like, anything you want to talk about? And and opening the door to this deeper conversation. Yeah. Because that there's so much room, so much opportunity there for uh, uh, sharing and for growth and for connection that it's a, it's a lost opportunity in a lot of cases. Yeah, it's just, it's just funny. Like, um, I talked to Brie a lot about how you are super empathetic and like uh, to children and their mental health. Like it always seems like a, especially for you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just seems like it's such an important time. Um, and for me, like watching this special, like highlighted that for me, which yeah. is why I wrote that one thing down. Yep. It was just like, I just wish, you know, Gary had mm -hmm. had, he like, he had a millennials like yeah. situation around him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, guys, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about Adult Gary. All right, Mike, we've talked enough about Gary Gilman's childhood because he's a big boy now. He's, uh, he's he still has a blankie, though. <laughs> yes. But he's talking about the this part that I love, which is these, these little signs, these little symptoms of depression. Obviously, he talks about some serious aspects of his depression as well. But little stuff like um, using a fork to eat your ice cream or, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, stuff like that. And I just he says that's like the he, he can 
He knows where you are. If he walks in your house and you have four lines in your ice cream, he knows there's a crisis happening. Yeah. And and it's, I don't know if that's something specifically that you can relate to. But oh, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very evocative. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, like he did, he said because he used a fork because he was, he didn't have the, like, wherewithal to even wash a spoon. Like he just, there was a fork and then that was it. Right. And and people are like, why don't you just wash a spoon? And he's like, why don't I shower? Like he doesn't, <laughs> he's not doing anything. Why would he wash a spoon? So, yeah. so yeah. Um, you know, Gary talks about some of these, you know, small moments of his depression, but he goes through some serious things as well. So I know there were some specific aspects of that that you were particularly interested in. Yeah. So like we talked about up front, Gary had a really, really bad period and he needed to get help. One of the things he, he keeps going back to is that Gary has had depression problems, like we said, his whole life, but that he's never been able to talk about it really. Like very yeah. much. He's had, he's had, he's been in therapy because he's responsible um, or, or he was it, it exposed to it, I guess is what I should say. But his psychiatrist after all these years and, and now instead of um, continually improving because that Gary is attempting to improve, like he did something he focuses on and it's, and it seems to be getting worse. And especially during this like 10 week period where he was at the lowest he's ever been or his cosmic bottom his psychiatrist suggests uh, electroconvulsive therapy. So Gary actually uh, admits himself into the psych ward for three weeks. Yeah. And, you know, to our earlier point, like it sounded like he needed it, right? He needed a break. He needed to get away. Mm -hmm. um, he needed some, some intensive support and therapy. Yeah. And for me, this is when like I just like my mind blew up and I just thought, this special is important. This story is important because Gary not only gives you just like a total, this is what it's really like view into it, the way you can do when you're having a conversation with someone, but he talks about things that are super controversial and, and he sheds light on them in a way that they should be. He goes into to do this electroconvulsive therapy and he admits he was embarrassed to talk about it up until this point yeah. because of, and he, he says one flew over the cuckoo's nest, yep. like ruined it for everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, also the fact that they called it electroshock therapy yeah. only to, what did you say? A lateral move that horrible name to electroconvulsive therapy. Right. Not any better actually. Yeah. Right. And this is just why I just think it's so important. It hit me so hard how important it is for our comedians to tell these stories like I, I, I just think I don't know why, but that profession just seems to have like a a way in that no one else has. Because I'm sitting here and Ryan, we make a mental health show. We sure do. I know all about what electroconvulsive therapy is. I had extensive talks with my last psychiatrist about doing it. Was really contemplating it up until the point when we switched insurances. Even so, knowing what it is and knowing how it goes and read people's experiences, I was frightened by the idea of it. It still seemed as like that, like Jack Nicholson lingering in your mind. Yeah. And so he he told the story and Gary just, um, I mean, just told you how it was. He's like, dude, they they give you anesthesia. Like he was like, it was awesome. Like yeah, he was right. like, he was like, it was awesome. And it worked so good because what Gary ended up having was 
uh, medicine, unaf- whatever, like it, what is treatment, it resi- treatment resistant depression. Yeah. Or medication resistant depression. Right. Yeah. So electroconvulsive therapy, therapy, Gary says is the gold standard to the next step after that. Cause, mm-hmm. and here's the thing is it works. Like there's, it's, that's why they still do it. Cause it's not barbaric because it's a, it's a procedure that works. Right. And so it's something that I was afraid of. And I came away from this going, I need to get electroshock therapy, man. Because I have, uh, medicine is not super, or if at all, effective for me. I've been on every medicine you can think of. Right. Much like Gary has been and talked about. Yes. Um, You know, he goes through all the medications that he's been on, all the rhyming ones, all all the different types. And, you know, his frustration with some of those experiences. And people, he talks about, which I know is something that, that, that you wanted to talk about related to this as well. People kind of ask him like, well, aren't you worried about the side effects? Aren't you upset or bothered by the side effects mm-hmm. that come with these medications? What did you think about how he put this together? Yeah, I thought it's, it's, uh, it's a great point, right? It's like, yes, some of these side effects are uncomfortable and unfortunate. But you know what is worse is the side effects of depression, is the things that come with depression. Um, so if, if you're making a trade, you know, it's, this is a trade that is worth making or at least is worth exploring, experimenting with like, okay, you know, yes, I don't, I don't want, you know, a little bit of weight gain, but if I have to trade a little bit of weight gain for not being depressed anymore, maybe that's a, something that I can, you know, live with. Maybe that's something that will make a huge difference for me in the long run. Right. Yeah. He says, uh, dry mouth well i can i can handle that considering the fact that one of the side effects of depression is death yeah yeah so you know mike you just talked about you being all in all the different medications i mean is that something that you i know certainly when i talk to people about medications that the side effects are one of the big things that come up that people are spooked by you know whether it be weight gain or Mm, weight gain's a big one yeah weight gain's a big one you know um We'll just say uh, intimacy issues. See, but that's why what Gary Goldman said in the special yeah. is so important. Yeah. Because he, for a guy like me, who's had those thoughts that he's talking about that outsiders are telling him, mm-hmm. maybe it's special for him because he does have a way with language. Uh, that's one of his things, Ryan, we were talking beforehand that he, he one of his sticks with his comments, he breaks down language really yes. well. Words and phrases. Yeah. Yeah. So he just, he just has a way of explaining things, I guess, or seeing things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like intimacy, yeah. like um, not being able to get an erection. He's like, yeah, okay, what was I doing with that impotency before in mm-hmm. the fetal position by myself, yeah. you know? Yes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start weighing in your mind, you're like, he's right. Like, mm-hmm. what's worse? Sometimes I get dizzy on some of the antidepressants that I'm on. Sure. Like being dizzy or being totally ineffective as a father or something. Yeah. And, and this is where, um, you know, it's like our ideal version of ourselves gets in the way of uh, an acceptable real version of ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's like whether it's weight gain, it's like, well, yeah, I don't want to be as depressed. But gosh, if I gain, you know, 20 pounds, I'm, I'm going to be more depressed. It's like, well, what if you're not, though? Like, what if the what if the presumption about your depression as it's relating to your uh, weight or, or self-perception is that is your depression. And if the depression is treated by medication, that you're actually not as preoccupied with your weight or your body image. 
Like, mm. wouldn't that be a nice offset? Um, and I think we, we get wrapped up in like, well, but I want to be able to be intimate with my partner, but I want to be able to be attractive to people if I'm single, but I want to be able to do this or that. And it's like, yeah, no, of course you do. And I always kind of tell people this. It's like, it's worth finding out whether or not the symptoms, the, the, the side effects are a problem for you or not. But if your assumptions about those side effects stop you from even finding out if mm -hmm. a medication might make a difference for you, then, you know, you, you might as well be stuck in the, the cycle that you've been in. Like therapy is not going to yeah, be enough for you. Like what's going to change? Right. Therapy, if, if this is your mindset, therapy is not going to change anything either. Right. Because if you're not willing to challenge yourself and explore different ways of approaching your problems, mm -hmm. therapy is just, you know, running in circles. Yeah. And, and that's assuming like we've gotten to the point where, you know, some people just they don't want meds at all. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, but there is a point, I think, for some people and the degree of which they experience things where you might have to like approach that bridge. Yeah. I don't know. And he just explains it in this way that makes you go. I want to I want to sit down with my psychiatrist and have a better conversation than I did last time. Great. You know, um, yeah. And if that's a takeaway from a, a stand up special, like good, like then he's done good. Right. Yeah. 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 It's powerful. To it be is. honest with yeah. you, it's 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 moving. Um, And I hate to say it as that I'm happy that I got to hear it because I wish he didn't have to go through it. Sure, sure. But it's like, I'm super happy. I'm super happy he made this because now, oh, he also talked about ketamine. Yes, he did. He was, and I'll just real quick on that one. He was talking about how he, um, ketamine is now like, if you can have access to it, if it's around you or someone is legally able to prescribe it for uh, where other things aren't working, ketamine apparently is very effective, right? I don't know a lot about ketamine, but he talked about it and I immediately was like, I need to look into this. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, I'm pretty sure it's still schedule one. Like it's, a, it's, it's, it's in this class of drugs that is still pretty highly controlled because it's a, a drug that can be abused. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's also shy. Uh, it's also, excuse me, it's also shown really promising uh, results with things like treatment resistant depression. So he yeah. says, he says that, he would go in and now it's expensive, right? Because insurances aren't really on board yet. Correct. But that's why the research is being done. He says he would go in and pay whatever the, the crazy fee is to get like his hour dose. Mm -hmm. And he said that while he was dosed that and they're doing micro doses. So he's not like tripping out crazy on down the K-hole. Right. Or completely like tranquilized. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He he says that for a short period of time or for that period of time, he felt like himself. Yep. And like, I can't tell you how many times like as somebody that's not feeling well, just wants to feel like themselves again. Uh, that's a huge, how huge of a difference that is. Yeah. Yeah. Did did the stand up like strike you the way that it, like, did it hit you kind of the way it hit me or, or was I... Getting too like pumped about it. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was, I think I was pumped in my own way because it's like, it's, 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 and let me just talk about it from the therapist perspective. Yeah. It's exactly what a therapist would want and, and how a therapist would want their patient to be talking about by their mental illness. Being able to talk about it in a casual way 
and you know acknowledging some of the silly stuff acknowledging the serious stuff but at the end of the day seeing themselves as not alone and as capable of finding solutions for their problems I mean, there's nothing better than that from a therapist's standpoint. Right. Like, so you thought he was responsible about it and everything? Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, you know, it's, you know, we, we talk about the show on the show, like, what's the takeaway? And I think, you know, is there a little bit of like, oh, and then there's the happy ending and, and look how much better he is. And, you know, and if you have mental health problems, you're not alone. And that's sort of the message that he ends on. It's like all, right. you know, uh, rainbows and stuff. And, and. I don't I don't think he goes too far with that because he does acknowledge that it's not just everything's better now. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's a it's appropriate because it's like, hey, I went through a serious struggle. I'm still struggling, but I've also, you know, made some decisions that have made a really big difference in my life. Yeah, look, I I a year ago I couldn't even go on stage and now I'm in an, his first HBO special. Yes. Right, he's done Netflix and Comedy Central, but now he's in the big time. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was just a really special one for me. I think one question I had for you, and I know that listeners are going to want to hear this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was going to ask you, because um, when you brought this up to me, however many, six months ago, I immediately thought, oh, we're doing an episode on comedians and depression. Like, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I, I figured I wanted to address like, um, what's the deal with comedians and depression? Well, yeah, I mean, if you if you talk to them about it, what's the deal with comedians and depression? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, no, it's okay. It's it's a lot of them when you hear them talk about it. If you listen to podcasts where they talk about it, if you listen to Gary talk about his own experiences, there's the one exchange that he has with um, is it Robert Kelly? I think. Yeah, it's Robert Kelly. Yeah, and they both kind of acknowledge like. You know, they they both wish they had been more open with each other about how they were feeling when they were just starting out. Yeah. And this this joke thing is a coping skill for them in a lot of ways. It's like this is how we deal our, with our pain. We laugh at it. We joke about it or we, we uh, put ourselves down. We do self-deprecating stuff. So it is um, a coping skill. And I think it's a universal thing is like. Well, if I get treatment for this and I get better, uh, will I still be funny? That's just something that kind of mm. comes up. And Gary yeah. and, and Robert Kelly both acknowledge like, yeah, in fact, I can be funnier. Oh, you know? Yeah, they did say that. And you were like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You you can be a better version of yourself. You know, like in that moment, it is not required. Yeah. Yeah. Like they they say in that moment, like it's a myth. Mm-hmm. Like there might be a lot of depressed comedians, but there's a lot of depressed people. Well, right, right. And that's that's why I think it is so important for people who have the skill to be able to talk about life in a relatable, light, funny way that they do talk about mental health stuff, because it's like people need to hear this. People need to hear discussions about mental health, about depression. And, you know, and and yeah, fuck that guy that said you shouldn't talk about it because you should. You shouldn't. Right on. You you should talk about it more. So we kind of just have to be grateful that people who have the gift of of talking and storytelling do tell these kinds of stories. Yeah, and, and that's why, uh, just as the last thing, and then we'll do our stuff, but it's because they have the gift, right? Yes. And, and also because they have a one-way conversation in front of them, right? So they get to plan out 
specific yep. way to tell us something that can be really important in a really accessible way. And we're just listening for an hour. Yes. So it's like, it's just, you don't, that's the only time I can think of where I experienced that situation. Yeah. Except for maybe when I went to church when I was a kid. <laughs> right. It was much less funny. Okay. All right, guys. We could probably talk about this for a couple hours, but we're going to go ahead and end it. And we really hope you enjoyed our conversation about the Great Depression. But we do have to do ratings. If you haven't listened to the show before, every week Ryan and I rate on a scale of one to five. Today, Ryan is going to rate on the scale of uh, one to five on how important it is to watch this special. And then I'm going to rate on one out of five on the critic scale. Ryan, what are we looking at? So, Mike, out of five lonely trees. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I could relate to that story because I, I wrote dumb, weird stories as a kid, too. Uh, oh, please. Uh, well, they, they usually involved, uh, like, I wrote my own, like, Transformers fan fiction, basically. <laughs> as a kid. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure I still have one of them. But yeah, it's, it's you know, we all we all go oh through that God. stage, right? I, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So out of five lonely trees, it's a five, Mike. It's it's incredible. If you haven't seen it and you just listened to us talk about it, please, for God's sake, go and watch it because this is a is a message that needs to be spread far and wide. Thank you, Gary Goldman, for for doing this. That's what I wrote down too. I wrote thank you, Gary. Yeah. Um. So one one out of five, critic scale. It's five. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, uh, and I told my wife this is not Gary's funniest special. I think his 2000, I think his last one's probably his funniest one. I mean, it's really funny, but it is his best special. Like we said, it's also like documentary parts in between. But uh, you know, he had Judd Apatow directing those parts. I guess. Anyway, it was just you know super important. He just did a really really good job. So. Five out of five missing milks. Sure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to get out of here for the day. Make sure you stick around and listen to Ryan's closing thoughts. And we do need to thank Kevin McLeod for all the music that we use on the show. If you need royalty-free music, you can find Kevin's music at filmmusic.io. And now for some closing thoughts on the 2019 stand-up comedy special by Gary Goldman, The Great Depression. There's really only one takeaway that I want people to remember, both from our episode today and from this special in general. And that's, you should never, under any circumstances, for any reason whatsoever, ever let someone else's discomfort with your mental health issues stop you from talking about it. If you try to talk to your parents about being depressed or being anxious and they tell you that you're not, or if they tell you that, you know, you don't need therapy, don't let that stop you. The fact that you've gotten to the point where you recognize it's a problem means that it's a problem. It means that you probably need help. You know, just like Gary Goldman experienced some uh, audience members who said that he should never talk about depression. He did not listen to them. He kept talking about his depression. He kept talking about the problems that he's experienced. And now he's getting the support that he needs. He's getting the help that he needs and he's on the road to recovery. So please, 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 if you can take anything away from this episode today, don't let other people's discomfort stop you from sharing your story. You sharing your story, sharing your pain, sharing your struggles will attract the help and attract the support that you need. 
So with that, thank you all so much for listening today. If you like the show, please check out our social media pages. We are everywhere at Pop Psych 101. We love hearing from our listeners. So if you want to give us feedback or suggest something for us to cover, you can email us at poppsych101 at gmail.com or join our Facebook group. Pop Psych 101 is everywhere where podcasts are found, and we would love if you would help us share these discussions about mental health. So please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe wherever you listen. For Mike Graham, I'm Ryan Engelstad. Thanks for listening to Pop Psych 101.